Welcome everyone to today's devotion, the last one of 2020. So that means uh, next time uh, we're together for these devotions, it'll be 2021, and hopefully we'll have a better year. We'll see. I don't know. Um, but the uh, uh, Lord has it all under control. We have here in chapter 19 of Revelation is, um, is, is the culmination of the victory of God over forces of evil. And the, uh, and, and the justice of God on behalf of his people. And so you have to contrast chapter 18 and chapter 19. In chapter 18, we have songs of lament from uh, the political leaders and economic leaders. Here we have psalms of worship. So we begin with a, a great multitude. Verse, uh, second half, verse 1 on verse 2 says, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality, has avenged on her the blood of his servants. A couple of things. First of all, the, the language is going to, throughout this chapter, is going to sound similar to chapters 4 and 5. Revelation 4 or 5, remember, is, is the curtain is pulled back. John sees uh, the divine council worshiping before the throne of the lion lamb, and, and they sing, Worthy is the lamb who was slain, right? And they worship him who is both creator and redeemer. In chapter 19, a lot of that language, the imagery is borrowed, but now it is the worshiping of Christ who is judge. And we see that here. Uh, we see judgment on the prostitute uh, and those who uh, uh, fornicated spiritually and, and, and economically and whatnot with her. So what we'll see in this chapter is the worthy uh, that the lamb is worthy of worship because he avenges uh, the righteous and judges the wicked. So uh, the same thing going all the way down. Then we see verse 4. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. This is taken from chapters 4 and 5. Now, the 24 elders, the four living creatures show up off and on in Revelation. I believe this is the last time we'll see the 24 elders. But they do pop up here and there. But they're introduced to us in the context of of, of cosmic worship at the throne of God in chapters 4 and 5. And so we see sort of bookends. We see John witnessing uh, the, the worship of the lion lamb, who is creator and redeemer. And now he worships essentially the same scene, but now that he has seen the affairs of man on, on the earth, and so it, it fits in, in the context that, that Christ is also worshiped as judge. Well, they sing, praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Right? So same sort of thing. You have the 24 elders, four living creatures, and then those who fall down uh, past them like a great wave. And then we get yet another song, a song of a great multitude. Um, and um, here we're introduced to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, that will be fulfilled uh, or described in more detail later. I believe that's chapter 20, maybe 21, uh, but here it's introduced. Now, most scholars agree that what John has in mind here is a Jewish festival um, and, and uh, a Jewish marriage festival. So what you have in a Jewish system, we see this with Mary and Joseph, is betrothal and the wedding. Betrothal is um, like an engagement, but... Um, 
but it, but it's it's a it's a greater commitment. Engagement is okay. We're going to plan a wedding, start our lives. A betrothal in Jewish uh, custom was that you were considered husband and wife. You didn't live together. You weren't intimate. You didn't have children. Any of that sort of stuff. And so there was a time period between betrothal and and marriage that seems to be the image here, that we are right now as the bride of Christ making ourselves betrothed to to God to to our, our, our groom. We're making ourselves ready for the great wedding. And so here we have the beginning of, of, of the wedding itself. Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let me just pause and say the word hallelujah appears only in the books of Psalms, particularly uh, in the last five, 10 chapters, something like that. And in the book of Revelation, found nowhere else in, in the Bible. So clearly, these 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 are Psalms. Uh, they, they, we're being called back to to those earlier books. Um, Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Notice that she she has prepared herself for this. Well, when you think about it, that's what Revelation has been all about. Revelation has all been about the bride and making herself ready. How does she make herself ready? Well, this is the problem with those churches, right? They were not making themselves ready by by being led astray by false teaching and by surrendering to persecution. But John is arguing through this revelation that if they would persevere through persecution, even if it takes their life, and if they would maintain the faith once for all delivered to the saints, what is that? That that, that is on the microcosm what, what God is doing through his church, making his bride ready for this great moment. And it was granted her to clothe herself with a fine linen, bright and pure. Now, we should notice here that we have a contrast, don't we? We talked about this uh, yesterday, uh, or two days ago, I think. We have the harlot over here. She's all decked out. She's well-clothed and all this sort of stuff. But those images of clothes are connected to her harlotry. And so she seduces the political system. She seduces the economic system. She seduces the religious system. This bride is, bride is decked out in white. She's made herself only for one. One is a harlot. The other is a bride. And you'll notice here that her linen is, it says at the end of verse 8, righteous deeds of the saints. I mean, think about it. This is what the church should be doing right now. Making herself ready for the day of her marriage. So verse 9, angel says, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This would be all the saints. He said to me, These are the true words of God. And then notice what John does. He falls down at his feet to worship. And what does the angel say? You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. I want to argue that at the center of Revelation... It's not end times charts. It's not looking for the Antichrist or or or, or uh, any of that. No, it it's about worship. You see, if you worship a God who is Creator, Redeemer, and Judge, you will persevere through difficult times, and you will maintain the faith once we're all delivered to the saints. Worship is the center of this book. 
And we see it over and over again. We see false worship that the false prophet led uh, uh, the, the multitudes and the nations to, to give towards the beast and the dragon. But here we see true worship. Worship God. It is here that, that the scene changes. We, we go from the scene in heaven of, of worship and celebration to, to, to the reason for it, right? So like in chapter 5, you have worship of one who was worthy to break the seal. And in chapter 6, we get the breaking of the seal. In chapters 19, what we get is the worship of one who is judge and righteous in his judgments. And then we get the carrying out of those judgments. Now, there's some debate as to what follows, right? This is Jesus on the white horse laying smack down. A um, couple debate here, and, and, and I don't have all the answers to these. One is, is this a physical battle? Or is it spiritual warfare? I lean towards spiritual warfare, but the language is awfully strong for it. Um, and so the, the debate really centers on the word, the word of God that proceeds out of the mouth of, of, of the writer. Also, the question is, does this describe the second coming of Christ or something before it? So if you're a preterist, and, and you believe that all this was fulfilled in AD 70, um, then what you, what you see in chapter 19 is the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, and then chapter 20 is the second coming. Um, I, don't, I don't have the answer to any of these, um, but I might have some ideas, but, but I, I, I don't want us to, to be distracted by those sort of things. But we do see a white horse. Now, remember, we talked about this in chapter 6 with the first seal. The first of the four horsemen of the apocalypse was a white horse. And John says, Behold, I saw a white horse. So is the white horse in chapter 19 the same white horse in chapter 6? I don't know. I think it's a possibility. Um, and we talked about that. You can go back uh, on, on the previous video or podcast on that. Uh, he who sits on it is named Faithful and True, and he judges and makes war. Now notice we get three things about him in verse 12. His eyes, flame of fire, taken from Daniel. His head has many diadems, which are true crowns, right, in contrast to the false diadems of the beast. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. Right? So we get his eyes, his head, and his, and his name. Well, then we see he's clothed with a robe dipped in blood. Some debate about that. Is that a reference to the cross, or is it uh, a reference to Isaiah, which used similar language? You can go back and forth, uh, whichever one you, you prefer. Um, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And that Word of God is going to come later uh, with the sword that proceeds out of his mouth. But what I think we see here is John reminding us of his identity given to us in John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Right? In verse 14, uh, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, verse 14, the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on the white on white horses. Now, uh, if we if, if Isaiah is the imagery he has in mind here, they're not there to fight, they're there to witness. Jesus is the one that does the fighting. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. We see a mix in metaphors. Uh, a sharp sword, uh, significance coming out of his mouth. Ruling, uh, the word there is like shepherd with a rod of iron. So I think you have a mixing of metaphors which can work in apocalyptic literature. So, so a lot of people, this thing, okay, Jesus with the sword cutting people down, but it's significant, it comes out of his mouth. So what you have then is the word preached. The Word of God preaches the Word of God. Right? And so the idea is, what you have here is spiritual warfare. Uh, that Christ rules and reigns through His Word. And that is something we believe now. That Christians do not take up arms. And our primary answer to the culture wars is not an election. It is the preaching of the gospel. This is true throughout all of Christian history.
And I think that is a helpful way to read this. Uh, verse 16, on his robe and on his thigh is a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Which remember, the beast has under him ten kings. He thinks he's the King of Kings. But here Jesus demonstrates that he is actually King of Kings. Well, from there, what you get from this slaughter, whether it's a physical, literal one, or a spiritual one, right, um, is is you get um, a very grotesque scene of, of God speaking to Carrion to come and eat the flesh of those who are slain. Um, now, rather than that's taken from Ezekiel, so I don't want to get distracted by, by that imagery. We do need to see that, once again, we have a contrast here. The first ten verses describes a banquet uh, with the lamb, right? So, so you get the marriage supper of the lamb. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a festival. It's a celebration. This is fellowship. This is happiness. This is what we want. Now we get a different banquet. And this banquet is a banquet of flesh where birds come and uh, eat the flesh of kings and captains and mighty men as well as horses, riders, men, free and slaves, small and great. And then we get the judgment on the beast. I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. Sounds similar to what is described of, of Har Megiddo, uh, Armageddon, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, verse 20, the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who is who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast, those who worship its image. Notice, true worship beginning, false worship at the end. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. So, what you see here is final judgment upon the beast. And now, now uh, we've seen similar language to describe the the woman, the prostitute, now's the beast, false prophet, and then we'll see the dragon thrown in. So um, we're getting there. I believe that's in chapter 20. So next week we'll see that. So um, the main thing I want us to get from this is uh, if we put chapters 4 and 5 together with chapter 19, what we see is a, is, is a brief theology of worship in the book of Revelation. And we see worship God as creator who made you and me and all that is around us. Worship God as redeemer who by his blood we have been purchased and ransomed, and God is uh, as judge, who will vindicate his name and will condemn the wickedness and avenge the righteous. Creator, Redeemer, and Judge. Hope you guys have a great uh, New Year celebration. Hope to see you guys here Monday, Lord willing.